grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. On this happy occasion, I come to you to celebrate with you God's grace to his people for the last 133 years here in the Toledo, greater Toledo area. Last September, your pastor, Pastor Hagen, asked me to preach for this occasion. I think there are one or two of you who still remember me from when I was here from 79 to 89, maybe even had a little hand in asking me to come. I don't know. But for the rest of you, my name is Wayne Leitonen, and I was a pastor at Arlington Avenue Lutheran Church in the last century. I probably look that way too, don't I? <laughs> However, even though we're separated by 34 years and by many miles over those years, I rejoice that God has made us one family under Christ. We have one baptism. We share one word of God. We have one confession of faith. We have one holy bridegroom who has given us an inheritance which, is, which surpasses anything we could ask or expect of him, to be together with him for whom our souls were made forever in heaven, which is really the definition of heaven itself, to be with Jesus for eternity. And we've enjoyed that bond as we've come together in this melting pot, which becomes Resurrection Lutheran Church from eight different churches that were in this area. As Pastor Hagen uh, correctly put, in, in, in 1890, Zion Lutheran Church was the first church which, uh, which began in this area, that's Wells. After that, 1902, Apostles over on Stickney, Later on, went to Temperance, Michigan. After that, Arlington Avenue in 1934. And then in 1955, St. Timothy. In 1959, it was uh, St. Andrew in Point Place. And then we had the amalgamation of a couple. Hosanna was both Arlington Avenue and St. Tim's in the early 2000s. And, uh, and then New Hope, which was Apostles and... Uh, and St. Andrews up near Temperance, Michigan. Well, not so long ago, my doctor said to me, listen closely, I'm gonna give you three words. Some of you know this cognitive test, right? Banana, chair, and sunset. I thought to myself, I think I heard these three words from one of my shut-ins. Am I really getting that old? Yeah. Yeah, now it was my turn to take the cognitive test to see if I had lost anything, but I figured since my shut-in already told me, I, I didn't, and I still remembered I didn't have to study for this test. Um, instead, uh, I would like to give you three words uh, there won't be a test after the service, but I'll give you the three words anyhow, which is the theme of this, this celebration. It is Hosanna, Hallelujah, and Amen. 
And we begin with the Hosanna, which has to be the first one. Lord, open my lips so that my mouth may show forth your praise, may show forth your glory. Only when God can open our lips are we able to speak his truth. Think of the children, you'll hear this next week in Palm Sunday, the children and their parents who probably, some of them, saw the miracle Jesus did with Lazarus, which was written in our gospel for today, said, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. It was a prayer. It was really kind of a double-barreled prayer, if you will. Number one, it was a prayer for them. Save us now, O Lord. Help us now, O Lord. But the subject could also be the person to whom they're crying out. Such as in England, God save the king. God prosper his cause. God give the king success. In a special way, that Hosanna went up from people in the Toledo area, which gave a start to wells in this area and to a confessional church. I want to read to you a little bit of the beginnings of Zion Lutheran Church. Pastor George Litke in 1940 was writing in the Zion 50th anniversary booklet this. In the year 1889, trouble and trials befell the St. Petrie congregation, touching their pastor and their people. That was Pastor Louis Grape. This difficulty climaxed at the close of the year, and pastor, due to the force and shape of circumstances, was constrained to hand in his resignation. Here is where the cry of the church went up. Many members of the church of that time felt grieved and could not side with the majority. For conscience sake, some of them left the church and went with their pastor. With these seceded members, a mere handful of nine men and their families, the pastor started a new congregation. The story goes on. They're an independent congregation now. Independent Lutheran congregation have no ties to any synod or anyone who teaches pastors. And Pastor Grape began to have physical problems, asked, for, asked to resign six years later. They probably begged him if they could have a little bit more time to find out who would replace him, so they said no at first. But at the end of, of, of 1896, they said to him, okay, you can retire now. What happened was they had hooked up with a synod which took conscientiously the training of pastors in the word of God and made sure that they were supplied with pastors in the future. In this way, they were brought closer to the word of God than they even had been before. God answered their prayer more excellently than they, than, than they asked. They asked for a pastor. They received the word of God in his truth and purity. Same thing happened, actually, at Arlington Avenue Lutheran Church. The first two churches, uh, or, or first two, two of three churches at the beginning, again, St. Petrie had an issue with their pastor, Pastor Kopanko, in 1934, and decided that he couldn't stay there anymore. He tendered his resignation. He left with about a quarter of the congregation. 
And that began in an Ohio Bell telephone building that had been deserted in 1934 on Geneva and Arlington Avenue. And two years later, Pastor Kapanko said that he couldn't take it anymore. He, he had to retire. And just so happened that an Arlington member <clears throat> was riding in a pickup truck with Pastor George Litke of Zion and said, we have this problem here. We have no pastor. We know where to replace him. And Pastor Litke says, well, why don't you go to the Wisconsin Synod and ask them for a pastor? Same thing happens. They received the pastor. They received the word of God in a way that they had not received it before and responded. And God responded to their Hosanna even more graciously than they had asked it. God's extraordinary answers to their prayers shouldn't really surprise us because that's exactly what he does with us. You think of it, usually he brings people into the kingdom of God in places that you wouldn't expect it. A little child in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, a little child that cannot respond in words, that cannot formulate thoughts for us. God says, those are the ones I can work with. And you and I, being born in sin, as the scriptures say, being born dead to God and not able to reach out to God, God says, I'm going to reach out to them. Through the means of grace, through the word of God, through baptism, I'm going to bring them into the kingdom of God and make them my dear children so that they can express their prayers to us, their hosannas, their kyrie, God have mercy. This is the way God answers our prayer. He reached out to us when we were lost in transgressions and sin so that we could call upon him in the day of trouble. After hosanna comes the word hallelujah. The hosannas of the children and their parents on Palm Sunday were strangely answered by God. They were praying that Jesus' task as Messiah would be accomplished. And that accomplished task would bring deliverance to them, that double-barreled meaning of Hosanna. But God answered in a way they might not have expected. I don't know if those children who were putting palm branches before our Lord thought that the answer to his prayer was God send the king to the cross. God have him die there for the sins of his people. God deliver us in a most unusual way that would ultimately end in the victory, the Hosanna of Easter's, the, the hallelujah of Easter Sunday. And that's exactly what happened. That happened with us too. We give our hallelujah to God, our praise the Lord to God for the fact that he came to us in the water of baptism and made us really ones who were buried with Christ and raised again for, for, his, for justification. So our Lord gives us that, uh, gives, us, gives us that salvation in our, in our baptism and also in Holy Communion. 
when he comes to us and says, when I say your sins are forgiven, I am not just wishing that you would feel like your sins are forgiven. I put my body, my blood into your mouth so that you can be assured. I mean you when I forgive you of your sins. And his word, how can people believe? How can people call out Hosanna and hallelujah unless first of all their hearts have been changed, right? How can they know who it is who saved them unless a preacher comes? And how can he preach unless he is sent, sent by you and your offerings and prayers? So that hallelujah goes out in the form of our support for those who, like us at one time, had not heard the gospel the way they wished they would have heard it, but now receive the pure gospel through a teacher who, is, who, is, who has been trained in the gospel ministry. And that's the reason why we're here today as Resurrection Lutheran Church. I was, I was at Arlington Avenue in 1983 when Pastor Elton Bickle began at these, uh, the Township Hall in Sylvania and started with that group in 1983. A year later, May 10th, 1984, Pastor Howard Festerling had just come over from being a missionary in Indonesia and he began services at that Holly Farms uh, shopping center there on McCord Road. And I remember him coming to council, uh, to conference meetings and circuit meetings and saying, to, saying to, us, to the other pastors in the area, you know, we have tried to comply in every way we know how with the city authorities to be able to build a church. And we keep getting denied, no, no, no. But then finally, through all of that struggle, through all that persistence, God let our hosannas go up to him to resolve in the alleluia which we have here today. And I have to say, in my younger days, when I was a young pastor at Arlington, I was thinking, do we really need a sixth church in, the, in a Wells church in this area? I think we have those Arlington, Zion, Apostles, St. Andrews, St. Timothy, and some, a couple of them were struggling too. And I'm thinking, if we put a sixth church there, isn't that going to siphon off a lot of members to it? Well, what happened is you became God's answer to our Hosanna for our, for our, in our prayers. Lord, what would you have us do? And just as it was unexpected for the children who were singing Hosanna to Jesus when he was going into the city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, that God would send him to the cross as an answer, so his answer is that God would give us this beautiful congregation, which is a beautiful amalgamation of all those souls who came together in separate areas for God's word and his sacraments and for the blessing of the support that we receive from them. So we have now a Hosanna and a Hallelujah. And it's going to end in an Amen, as we all know. Amen in the catechism was, yes, yes, it shall be so. I believe it. This is the way it ends. Just as God said it would end. Well, think of the years, 133 years, 133 years, and all the baptisms that have happened 
hundreds upon hundreds of baptisms and people instructed in the faith in later years and brought into the kingdom of God. And those who had strayed brought back to the kingdom of God before it was too late. And they, I think it's over 40 pastors that served in this area, almost 50 pastors served in this area with a support of congregations who held up his hand as Aaron held up the, the staff of Moses over the Red Sea. And all those people who, figuratively speaking, we put the palm branch of victory into their hands as they lay in their casket, and we were able to have sermons of certitude, of sureness, of confidence that this person, by the grace of God, has gone to heaven, has gone to the church triumphant from this church militant. We thank God for all those things, and that, and, and that was God's amen to our hosannas and our hallelujahs previous to this. And one of the other amens was that that generation, by their teaching and by their example, worked hard to make sure these things could come down to you and to me. You can think of all the names of the people in the former congregations who really sacrificed to make sure that we heard the word of God and were brought into the kingdom by the Holy Spirit. And now Elijah's mantle has been passed on to Elisha, to you, to me. And really, our task is the same task as Moses and the prophets in the Old Testament, as the evangelists and the apostles in the New Testament, as Jesus himself, who was the word to this world, our task is to get that word out into this world and to proclaim God's grace to this world. You know, the angels in heaven, the name angel means messenger, might well, might well be jealous, be envious of us for the task of being able to proclaim things which not even Gabriel was able to proclaim in the few times that Gabriel came and proclaimed truths of God's, of God's grace to us during pivotal times in the New Testament. But our time is short. We spare no cost. We tolerate no delay. We can be daunted by no threat of government or of the world. And we cannot be interrupted. We must do what our fathers did who were the amen to our prayer for God's help. And that God has a perfect track record. As we went through the Apostles' Creed, just think of it, every single thing in that creed has come true, except one. Right? Maker of heaven and earth, did it. And he preserved us along the way, right? Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Lord, conceived by the Holy Spirit, amen, born of the Virgin Mary, amen, suffered under Pontius Pilate, amen, yes, it happened, rose again on the third day, amen, ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father, amen and amen. Only one thing left, and if he's done all those other things that we confess, that he told us he was going to do, do you think he'll leave this one out? I will come again 
to judge the living and the dead and to take you unto myself, the grand amen of an inheritance incorruptible, of a city with foundations, of a church that can never be taken away from us, with our Savior in the center. And that will be enough. Even if heaven were just four bare cinder block walls with Jesus, it's enough. We're with him. We have our bridegroom, one that will never disappoint us, never has, never will. And so we say, well, this will be our little test. First one. Amen. All right. Second one. Amen. And the third one. Amen. All right. Amen.